Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Lakers Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It's a great place to bet on the NBA. It's America's number one sportsbook, and you get winnings delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same-game parlay. If you are new, just download FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, Dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Lakers Tonight, presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you all had a great week. I hope you have big plans for the weekend. That was a hugely important Laker win for so many different reasons. 
Not the least of which is the fact that because the Pelicans lost tonight, they now have a two and a half game lead on the 10 seed, which is immensely important for what they're trying to accomplish. I, I, I guess if they intend to, to try to get out of the play in tournament, having that nine, 10 game at home is obviously a very big deal. This was a 13-point win. You'd have to go all the way back to January 7th against the Atlanta Hawks for the last time the Lakers won a game this convincingly. That's how rare this kind of thing has been. We're going to break it all down tonight. I want to spend a good amount of time on LeBron and and just because he deserves it for what he's putting forth uh, here in the last couple of weeks. We're also going to talk a little bit about Russ and his struggles and a little bit of, an, you know, seeing it juxtaposed against what he was sent away for is obviously frustrating in a lot of different ways. We're going to talk about Taylor Horton Tucker, who flashed some crazy all-star plays tonight. We'll talk, we'll dig into him a little bit. And then if you guys stick around for the end, I want to share my thoughts after re-watching Brooklyn Philly and some of the nitty-gritty details about that matchup and what it might look like in a playoff series. But I have to start with LeBron. So he finishes with 50 points, seven rebounds, and six, of, six assists, 18 for 25 from the field. He is now currently leading the NBA in scoring, which is ridiculous. I talked about this the other day. There are four players in the NBA right now averaging at least 29 points on at least 60% true shooting, which is insane. That's just the we are in a golden age of NBA talent. You could argue there are six or seven guys that are top tier superstars right now with the rise of Nikola Jokic and with the rise of Joel Embiid and with the rise of Luka Doncic. That's how deep the top of the league is. And we are having some all-time great seasons that are being put forward by Giannis Antetokounmpo, by Joel Embiid, young superstars in their absolute primes. Then we have Kevin Durant, who's also on that list of guys who's averaging at least 29 on at least 60% true shooting. He is not quite as old as LeBron. He's a little older, but he's very much in his prime. He's putting forth an all-time great offensive season. And LeBron is right there with them. It's, you know, LeBron went on his show. I think it was The Shop. I can't even remember where I saw this clip, to be honest with you. But it was recent. And he was lamenting his reputation as a scorer. And the fact that he never gets credit for that kind of thing. And I understand the sentiment behind where those people come from. The people that feel like LeBron's not a great scorer. Because what LeBron does lack is just that really, really fine-tuned polish. Obviously, if you watch a guy like Kyrie Irving dribble the basketball, and you watch a guy like Kyrie Irving and his footwork and his shooting ability, it looks a little sharper. I won't even say a little. It looks a lot sharper than what you see from LeBron. But too often, that simple detail, that one aesthetic detail, is used to undercut everything else about what makes LeBron a scorer. Because even though he's not the most polished guy in the league, he absolutely is skilled. As you've seen, especially there down the stretch, that crazy fadeaway he made over Kyle Kuzma over his right shoulder, that's an extremely difficult shot. That running, one-legged, fading, floating, double-pump shot that he banked in off the glass in the third quarter in his run, that is an incredibly difficult shot that takes a great deal of touch. Obviously, what he does 
behind the three-point line takes a great deal of skill. So there is skill there, even if it's not the prettiest and most polished skill in the league. And then obviously there's the physical element. The dude is like Shaq as a forward. He has this unbelievable physical set of physical tools that he can use to impose his will on the game. But the most important part of it that people glance over is the way that LeBron uses his brain to score the basketball. And he does so in two ways. One is with passing. His willingness as a passer throughout his career, his his relentless pursuit of making the right read on every single play has made it so that teams are reluctant to send help at him a lot of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time, especially when his teammates have it going the way they did tonight. And in those situations, because he has passed himself into single coverage, he is facing less individual defensive attention. That helps him score. Another huge part of it is understanding angles. How many guys have you guys seen in your lifetime at any level of basketball, including the NBA? The example I think of all the time is like Ben McLemore. You watch Ben McLemore do a workout, you would think he's the most skilled player. <laughs> you know, you think he's a top level, skill, top top tier skilled level uh, shooting guard in the league. The problem is, is that he just never understood the angles and how to utilize that skill to create shots. That's kind of what LeBron has absolutely down to a science. If he gets just that little bit of an inch of a step on you, he knows when he can press the issue, when he cannot press the issue. He understands the idea of leverage and getting even bigger, stronger defenders out of position so that he can get to where he needs to go. There are so many elements to what makes LeBron such a great scorer. And so many people gloss over those elements to try to undercut it as stat padding or he's just bully ball. He's just bullying people. And what they don't understand is he does have a great deal of skill. He does use his passing ability to get open. He does have an, a scores mentality. He has that understanding of the intricacies of how to locate and identify opportunities in a defense to get to your own shot. And I hope that at some point, either soon or maybe it's after he retires, I don't know. But I hope that at some point LeBron gets the respect that he deserves, which is that he absolutely, no question, belongs on the Mount Rushmore of NBA scorers of all time. You have to put him on that list. And it will be signed, sealed, and certified as soon as he passes Kareem at some point in the next season. I was really happy for him that he had that kind of night, you know, and, and I'm, I'm hopeful that over time, he will convert people into understanding what he brings to the table. For those of you who are just joining us, this is Lakers Tonight presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. We were just talking about LeBron scoring. I wanted to take a second to talk about his engagement level because I thought it was immensely important at the beginning of the game. I've been incredibly critical of LeBron over, since the All-Star break for his lack of intensity on the defensive end of the floor and the way that that percolates down the rest of the roster and has caused some of the defensive issues that we've seen from the Lakers. It's caused some of the unserious demeanor that we've seen from the Lakers. Those things are all related. That's part of following your leader. And one of the things that's frustrating to me about that is I understand the idea that LeBron is in his 19th season. I understand the idea that it's insane to ask him to be one of the best players in the league after all of the mileage that he has on his body. I get that. 
But even under those qualifiers, what he was giving wasn't enough. And it was directly impacting the team. I understand the sentimentality. Like, I understand why. Like, tonight, he tried in the first half, and they were down seven after after two quarters. That's got to be frustrating. When you're one of the best basketball players on the planet, and you push your foot down on the gas, and it's not enough against the Washington Wizards on your home floor, that's frustrating. So I acknowledge and understand why it's difficult. I know why he struggles with that. I'm just saying it's not enough anyway. Because had they lost tonight, for whatever reason, some shots don't go down, he gets 35 instead of 50. You know, Talon doesn't get to hit some of the shots he hits. You know, Malik doesn't hit some of the shots he hits in the fourth quarter. There's a version of that story where they lose. But at least then you go back to the locker room with the dignity and the respect of the fans. Because you tried. And again, no one's asking you to leave your absolute heart and soul out there. That's unfair at this point in your career. But what he was giving wasn't enough. And like we talked about earlier, with where they are situated in the standings right now, there actually still is a little bit of a chance. Look at Brooklyn. Brooklyn last night going into the game was below 500. But all it takes is get your talent back on the floor and play good basketball and play into your strengths. Now, I don't think they have enough. But hell, you're going to put the mileage on your body anyways, chasing Kareem. Go for it. Why not try? Did you know that next Wednesday will be one month to the day since uh, Anthony Davis sprained his foot, we're pretty close, probably about two weeks away from getting Anthony Davis back. You could probably get seven or eight regular season games in with Anthony Davis in preparation for a playoff run. Why not go for it? Especially, and this is the most important part, it seems to me, although I'm a little worried after he had to take some time off after Golden State, He's starting to look a little bit more athletic as time is passing by. I don't know if that's related to his conditioning and just getting back into shape. I don't know if that's some healing going on with his knee. I don't know. A big part of it will be like if we get the report from Shams tomorrow or from or from Dave McMenamin that LeBron doesn't plan on playing on Sunday, then forget all of this. <laughs> but if he really is starting to trend in the right direction physically, and if Anthony Davis is right around the corner, why not? If you lose, you lose, you go home, you rest up, you try again next year. But why not go for it? And I hope they do. But bottom line is, what you saw from LeBron defensively tonight, which was nothing crazy, he wasn't out there like Draymond, he just put a respectable effort on that side of the floor, and that is enough for this team to look competent. And that's all I ask for from LeBron. That's literally it. I don't even care if he takes a few possessions off here and there. That's not the issue. It's that unbelievable, you know, embarrassing let letting go of the rope that was taking place right after the All-Star break. That's what can't happen, regardless of how many miles you have and regardless of how great your resume is. But a big night for LeBron, and I'm glad we were able to get to see that. We got to enjoy this for as long as we can. I, I wanted to move on to Russ because he obviously had a really rough game. He's had a handful of decent games as of late. I've, I, I almost crack myself up sometimes with the bar that I evaluate Russ with. I pretty much say he played okay if he didn't actively sabotage the team. One of the most frustrating parts of this season has been not even just Russ fans, but the pockets of fans 
that have tried to convince us that he's been good when he very much has not. The good games have been the outliers. The games where he has, like, you know, a 30-point triple-double like he did against the Rockets, those are the outlier performances. More often than not, that hasn't been the case. And that's typical for an aging star. That's what happens. You tend to have a handful of moments where you can kind of look like your old self, but for the most part, you can't. And even in that Houston Rockets game, which was one of his better games, as you saw in the video I tweeted out earlier, he was bad in crunch time. Took two really bad jump shots, smoked three layups right at the rim, two of which were remarkably easy layups. The, the, you know, that's, that's just kind of the reality of where we're at with the Russell Westbrook experience right now. FanDuel Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And with FanDuel Same Game Parlays, you can turn little bets into big paydays. FanDuel is my favorite sports betting app because it is so incredibly user-friendly and easy to navigate. Make every game feel like the finals all season long. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app or head to FanDuel.com and sign up using promo code JasonT to bet the NBA today and get your first bet risk-free. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, Dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. It was so funny to me, too, as I really look back at this, which is normal to do when you're playing against the team that you traded these guys to, that you traded these guys for. You know, there... Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests we are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There is a case to be made that the two worst trades in NBA history involved Russell Westbrook. And it's wild because a normal, terrible NBA trade is like what you saw with the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets in the early 2010s. It's, we want to win now, so we cash in a ton of assets for some older established players. They come in, we're relevant for a little while. That Brooklyn Nets team was, you know, they were winning at home, trailing two games to one. You know, they had a chance to tie that series before LeBron dropped 49 on him and knocked him out. That was a good basketball team. They cashed in for that moment, and then they fell apart, and then it became one of the worst trades ever because they lost all those assets. That's usually what a bad NBA trade looks like. Or it'll be like James Harden, you know, like the Harden trade. We thought, yeah, maybe James Harden might become a superstar, but he just played horrible in the finals. Like, we didn't know what he was going to be. Like, usually that's what a bad NBA trade looks like. What is so unusual about these trades, let's go back to Chris Paul. The Houston Rockets are so unbelievably good that they had the one of the, in my opinion, the most talented roster of all time, that 2017-2018 Warriors roster. They had them on the ropes. That's how good that Houston Rockets team was. But because James Harden had a personal beef with Chris Paul, they shipped Chris Paul and two first-round picks and two pick swaps for Russell Westbrook. So not only was Russell Westbrook the, the not the best player in the trade, but there were assets attached to it. And here we are again. Since December 28th, Kyle Kuzma is averaging 21.8 points, 9.4 rebounds, and four assists on 58% true shooting. In the same span, Russell Westbrook is averaging 16.8 points, 7.4 rebounds, and 6.1 assists on 48.1% true shooting. He's below 50% when we weight everything with his three-point shots and his free throws. That's how ridiculously bad he's been in this stretch. And Kyle Kuzma is a much better defensive player. There are 31 NBA players this year that have attempted at least five shots in the restricted area per game. Russ would be dead last in that group 
if it wasn't for Damian Lillard trying to play through an abdominal injury for a part of the season this year. Dame was dead last. Russ misses 3.2 shots in the restricted area per game. That's how bad he's been this year. Kyle Kuzma very clearly was the best player in the trade. And he was attached to a really good role player in Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Another really good role player in Montrez Harrell. And a first-round draft pick. And the Lakers took back more salary. Now, to be clear, it's Jeannie Buss's fault that they didn't pay Alex Caruso. But we also know, because Alex admitted it, they offered him $6 million. So, if they didn't take more money back in the Russell Westbrook trade, there simply would be more money available to try to counter the Bulls and try to make a deal with Alex Caruso. So as far as I'm concerned, maybe it's a partial casualty, but it's absolutely, at the very least, a partial casualty that Alex Caruso was part of this trade. And it's just wild to me that twice in the last, re- the last handful of years, teams have made this mistake. And it goes to show you that the reputation that Russell Westbrook has around the league vastly, vastly supersedes what his on-court product is. You know, and, and, it's, and it's just frustrating for the fans to watch. Because it, like, in that game tonight, everything for the Lakers was humming on all cylinders, except for Russ. It was actively hurting the team in so many different ways. Those were gut punches, those missed layups he had in transition. Him getting into the lane and picking up his dribble, which is a turnover damn near every single time. It's one of, it, you know, it, it's wild. And, and, you know, I think it's over. This this sequence of Russ getting traded for more than what his value is worth, my guess is that the Lakers will finally have to attach assets to him this summer. But, man, what a wild ride this Russell Westbrook experience has been. <laughs> it, as a basketball fan, I can't remember anything like it. I, I can't ever remember watching a player as infuriating as Russ. And it's funny because I've been accused by many people, mostly Russ stands, of using Russ for engagement baiting or, you know, making it about something that it's not. And I'm going to just make this as perfectly clear as I possibly can. I generally, forget that, 100% of the time, I tell you guys exactly what I think. I am 100% authentic with you. But I would argue the most authentic opinion I have is the way I feel about Russ. He offends my basketball character. As a basketball, as a person who grew up around the game of basketball, and right now I train kids, I coach kids, I, I live and breathe the game of basketball, and the way he plays the game is offensive to me. It's real. I'm not making it up. I have to be honest in the sense that it affects me. It's a bias, for sure. But I've also gone to great lengths this year to try to circumvent that bias. You guys have heard me on this show. Like I said, I hold him to a ridiculously low bar. When he doesn't actively shave points, I credit him after the game. I try hard to be positive about Russ. It's just really, really difficult for me. One last uh, Lakers note before we move on. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker continues to show ridiculous all-star flash. He had a move on Corey Kispert on the right wing, right in front of the Lakers bench where he just did a standard rip through and then a pullback dribble and Kispert went out of bounds (laughs) and he made the shot. 
And then there, that one in the in the in late fourth quarter where he did that like two dribble spin move, which is one. It's like it's almost like a full court post up. It's what LeBron uses all the time. But he like initiates contact with that first dribble, spins and hits you with his left shoulder, and then takes a second dribble into the lane. And then I think he he might have pump faked or it might have been a, I can't remember what it was, but he had an acrobatic finish in the lane. He in retrospect, if there's there are a couple silver linings to try to gather from this season, this disaster of a season. One of them is Austin Reeves and finding him the way that the Lakers did. Another one is Stanley Johnson and getting him on a team-controlled veteran minimum contract for next year. I actually really like Wenyan Gabriel. He showed a lot of really interesting flashes tonight. He made a corner three. His ability to run up and down the floor and hang with the pace of the game is amazing. But a huge net positive here. I would have traded Taylor because I didn't think Anthony Davis was going to sprain his foot. And I thought the Lakers needed more talent in order to go after what they were going after. But now, in retrospect, now that we know Anthony Davis was hurt, now that we know this team can't go anywhere, I'm glad we get one more year to look at Taylor. And maybe we trade him at the next tra trade deadline because that's just what the situation dictates. Maybe he gets moved this summer. I don't know. But at the very least, we get to look at him a little while longer because this kid just continues to make me a believer. He's a little bit tunnel vision. He goes through like a couple week span where he's looking for his teammates and the flow is good and he it's – when he has the ball in his hands as a primary initiator, he's actually a pretty good passer. He's looking for his teammates. When he's playing off ball as a scoring guard, then he starts to get tunnel vision. And you, there were several plays today where you could tell even LeBron was getting discouraged just by some of the shots Taylor was taking as he was kind of getting out of the flow. But I am still a big believer in Taylor, and I'm glad we get to evaluate him for a little bit longer before we decide whether or not we're going to move on from him or not. All right, before we get out of here tonight, I wanted to take a couple of minutes to take a look at uh, uh, some of the things that I learned when I dove into the tape from that amazing basketball game between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers last night. Which, by the way, the, the NBA regular season completely lacks urgency. It's the biggest flaw. When you put on that game last night and you're watching Sixers-Nets, there's a feeling to that game, like a tenacity, a ten, uh, you know, an intensity that is lacking in like 85% of NBA regular season games. And I'm not sure that it can ever be fixed because of the length of the regular season. It's one of the reasons why I'm actually open to some of the ideas the league has about potentially shortening the regular season, but adding a mid-season tournament, anything that you might be able to do to make individual regular season basketball games more meaningful. I think another big part of that is spacing games out a little bit because load management is a concern. Uh, uh, James Harden missed a huge matchup with the Miami Heat earlier in the week, which was directly related to hamstring management. If you had teams playing twice a week or, or three times a week at the max, instead of these, you know, seven games every 14 days kind of deal, I think you might have more stars appearing in the games, which would give you a better television product. That's a whole other thing. But I just, I took a minute last night to appreciate what was a rare example of a very intense and very important regular season basketball game. If you go on my Twitter feed and you scroll down, I took the entire first quarter and I cut it up and gave some notes on what I noticed in the game. I encourage you to go look at that if you're interested in getting into the weeds a little bit. But I wanted to share just a couple of quick notes from that game. So first of all, in retrospect, looking back at that game, watching it in detail, James Harden kind of has two personas. He has his engaged persona and his disengaged persona. His engaged persona is extremely difficult to deal with. Think about like in 2019 when he had that game winner on the road in Golden State. He's animated. He's talking shit. 
He's actively looking for a shot all over the place. He's getting into the paint. He's super, super aggressive. There is a tenacity to him. But the disengaged James Harden, he, it, it's, like, it's like he's floating through the game. It's like he's actively hoping that somebody else will do the job for him. He'll make a simple read out of the top of the key, and he's not even really putting any pressure on the defense. I thought he was really, really, really bad on the defensive end last night, especially in that first quarter when things were falling apart. The same James Harden, who actually defended pretty well in his first few games with the Sixers. So it's like, again, his entire... His entire persona, it, 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 it seems to be directly tied to these kinds of moments. Whether it's postseason pressure or a game like last night where he's going up against his former team and they're looking at him in the eyes like, screw you, man. We're going to show you how stupid you were for not wanting to be a part of what we're building here. And that kind of seemed, that vibe seemed to shut James Harden down. You know, there's it's like, the difference between going down fighting and going down floating. James Harden is going to go down floating when things get tough. And we have so much, so many examples of that that I don't think it's up for debate anymore, to be honest. The next thing I wanted to hit on was the foul grifting from Embiid and Harden. Obviously, it looked bad for all of us watching it live, but on rewatch, it was even worse than you guys think. There were probably a half dozen possessions in that first quarter where either Embiid or Harden had an opportunity to make a normal basketball play that had a good chance of working, and they bailed on the normal basketball play to do something janky. There was a play, Joel Embiid's isolating Nick Claxton on the right elbow. He's got a live dribble, or he's, got a, he's in a triple threat, and, and, and Claxton's playing off of him, and Embiid could just go up and do his jump shot, but instead of doing that, he did weird little pump fakes and like fake rip throughs like four times trying to elbow Nick Claxton in the face so that he can draw a foul. And he ended up turning the ball over. I'm like, as I'm watching the tape, I'm looking at my laptop like, play basketball. <laughs> Just play basketball. You're literally one of the best basketball players in the world. If you play basketball, people can't deal with you. It's when you do this janky stuff. Yeah, it has. there are days where it works. Hell, you shot 13 free throws in the first quarter. But we all know that that doesn't work in the postseason. Lean into what you're good at, which is basketball. There's another player, James Harden, did the same thing several times, twice right at the end of the game, or right at the end of the first quarter, where he had reads. James Harden's a great passer, one of the best passers in the league. I know he saw the open man. But instead, he was diving into bodies, trying to draw contact, trying to get a foul. Because, again, he's floating through the game. And mark my words, if Embiid and James Harden go down foul grifting, they'll go down. But if they go down playing basketball, they have a chance to win. I am still a believer in that core. The other thing I thought was interesting was the way their role players approach the game. And this was typical. When you bring in a guy like James Harden, who's a high usage perimeter initiator, and you have guys like Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris, who were very, very important parts of their offense before the trade. They now have to find out how they fit. And I thought too often, because they were relegated to off-ball roles when Harden and Embiid had the ball, when they did get the ball, they really tried to force the action. And both Tyrese Maxey and, and, and Tobias Harris took a lot of bad shots over the course of that game, several of which involved opportunities to make easy reads to move the basketball. Meanwhile, on the other end, Seth Curry, 
this was the example that I that stood out the most to me. He's playing off of two really high usage perimeter players, but he let the game come to him. He, he there were two plays where he used a dribble handoff and a pick and roll to get down to the elbow, and he just simply pump faked. And Tyrese Maxey went way past him, and he had wide open 17 foot jump shots, which is a great shot for Seth Curry. He built his rhythm on that. Then he made a wide open three coming off of a dribble handoff. So he got into the game with easy shots rather than forcing the action. Then he was in a really good rhythm. And then he could start kind of looking for a shot more during the staggered lineups when either Durant or Irving was off the floor. So there's a little detail there that Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris have to figure out over the next couple of weeks. In general, the Sixers, if you go back and watch that film that I put on my Twitter feed, the amount of easy reads that the Sixers missed, not just the role players, but James Harden and Joel Embiid, the amount of easy reads that those guys missed forcing the action was crazy. And I thought it was a huge part of why their offense was stilted and a huge part of how Brooklyn kept getting out in transition. Meanwhile, on the other end, Kevin Durant welcomed any extra defender that came in, consistently made the right read, yet he still was able to get to his shot. The Nets offense just had a way better flow. And as KD mentioned after the game, a huge part of what they did was push the ball in transition. When you got lazy guys like James Harden and slow guys like Joel Embiid, if you can run up and down the floor, you can beat them down the floor a lot of times before they can set their defense and get a lot of quality shots that way. To put a bow on it, you know, I said some pretty strong words last night, like I, and I believe them. I, I do believe Brooklyn would win that series. But after rewatching, I do think Philly is capable of playing a lot better than they did. But again, they got absolutely trounced last night. So they have to play a lot better in order for that to work out. And Brooklyn's got reinforcements coming. Ben Simmons, you know, a huge part, like the one big glaring negative from Brooklyn in that first quarter was Bruce Brown. Really, really struggled offensively. And he was put in a short roll position where he had to finish around Philly's size a lot, and he struggled with it. There were multiple possessions where Bruce Brown panicked and threw up garbage around the basket. Now, obviously, if it's game seven of a playoff series, maybe Ben Simmons does that too. But I trust Ben Simmons offensively a lot more in that role, and he's a much better defensive player. There's some little kinks that got to work out. Like you can't play Drummond if you're going to play Ben Simmons. We saw that be an issue with Bruce Brown even last night. So there's little details that got to work out. But I'm a, I, that, that Brooklyn Nets team is going to just continue to get better when Ben Simmons gets integrated into the picture. But Philly, far from their best punch last night, they definitely have more. I don't know if it'll be enough, but they're definitely capable of playing a lot better than they did. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. Thank you so much, sincerely, for coming to hang out, as always. We will be back on Sunday night, post-game, Lakers-Suns. Hopefully LeBron plays. Hopefully we get a good game. I will see you guys. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. 
So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.